You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Honestly, it is such such an honor and a joy, uh, not only to be here speaking tonight, but to uh, participate every week in the beauty of, of standing before you guys and um, as a community going after the heart of Jesus. And uh, like we were praying even that prayer time, just not being willing to settle. Um, and it is it just fills my heart. There's nothing I love more than being here with you guys, um, being out there with you guys, um, whatever it is. Uh, and I just want to start tonight by uh, just honoring where honors do, and not only just do, but uh, I want to lavish it on. Jordan um, has been such an incredible leader and pastor of this movement in this church. Um, and I always tell people he's, he's 10 times the man off the stage than he is on the stage. And I truly mean that. I've never had a leader over me who's, uh, who's given me so much freedom and allowed me so much space to mess up and screw everything up um, with him being on the other side with, with love and with uh, whatever it is, correction or encouragement or whatever it is. So um, love him very much. And same thing uh, just to the staff at Riverhouse, all you guys. Um, I absolutely adore you. And uh, thank God every single day for um, the kind of culture that you guys create. Um, and you and you lead me into along with you guys. So now that that's out of the way, uh, <laughs> I just want to yeah, I just want to start off by praying. Um, before I even start, I just uh, I just want like permission from you guys. Is it cool if I'm just myself tonight? If I don't try to be Jordan or Stephen Furtick or whoever else that I look like, um, is that cool? Yeah, sweet. All right, so let's just uh, let's keep looking, looking at him. Let's look to Jesus, and uh, yeah, we just tell you that you have you have our attention tonight. And I just believe that that's so much more uh, than than a good message or something to encourage or inspire. You long to start movement in your church to lead us into the more that you're offering us. And so, like we prayed earlier, God, we refuse to settle for anything less than the fullness of what you've created us to be, what you've created us to do, um, and what you've created this church body to be. So we just, uh, we look for you. We're on the boat, and we're searching for where you're moving, what you're speaking tonight. And we just say, we're going to say yes. We step out right now and allow you. Come and use your voice. Encourage us, lift us up, convict us, whatever you want to do. Yeah, you have our hearts. You have our attention. Man, so I, uh, I just want to start by giving you guys kind of insight into, into my, my history and uh, my, my relationship with, with uh, worship, this thing that we partake in, um, not only on Sundays, but just constantly as part of our lives. So, so I grew up in, oh, also she walked in and I wanted to honor her. This is my wife, Amy. She was the powerful one standing right here. Singing worthy of it all. She's amazing. Love her to death. Um, cool. So yeah, I grew up in I grew up in Seattle, and uh, a little. If anybody knows Kirkland, it's where you Costco people get all your stuff. You're welcome. That's uh, uh, I grew up in a, a Baptist church, a big old church over there, and um, I'll spare kind of like all the details, but um, but I kind of want to talk about what I learned. Uh, as I grew up, what kind of culture of worship that I engaged with, and what kind of culture, um, what, what it taught me, what was to be valued, and what, what worship was just in general. And I feel like I want to invite you guys into that story and into that process because it's been part of the process of what he's doing and building here, even for us today. So 
a lot of amazing stuff, a lot of great things happening. Um, but really, I just want to focus on two takeaways that I had growing up in that church of what worship was. And these, these are things that I kind of had to overcome over my life. So, so first one is performance. And the second one being like, like uh, giving far too much value to feelings. Does that make sense? Performance and feelings. Uh, now, uh, performance kind of from the aspect of, yeah, I was on a stage. Ever since I was in sixth grade, my dad told me that uh, playing guitar would get you girls. And I very seriously took him at that. And so I started learning guitar, and it worked. That's how I got my life. Uh, there's going to be like 50 new auditions for acoustic guitar on worship team next week. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so from like the performance aspect, I would learn to play, and it was kind of this space that said, uh, you're valued because of what you do. Um, you're valued if you don't make a mistake, if uh, basically like the whole, the whole world was about like don't create a distraction, create a space that's distraction-free. And uh, yeah, so, so performance from the stage, but then also very much like performance from being in a congregation and being with people. I think there was this level of like, um, comparison and competition that said, like, I, I, like, am I supposed to look like that person next to me? Am I supposed to worship like this person next to me? Am I supposed to um, do whatever, honestly, like the person next to me? So it's like, okay, so we're, I'll stand with arms high. It's like, okay, do, should I put my arms up if I'm not? If I don't, am I, like, not a Christian? Or is that, like, how does this work? So just kind of this level of performance mindset just, like, uh, bleeding into every aspect. And then on the other side, being feelings. And really what that was, was um, this like incessant drive that everything came from, from how I felt about something. So it was like, oh yeah, that was great worship, which I don't know what that means. Like, like that was great worship because, um, because during that song I really liked at the bridge when the drums started going crazy, like I started crying and I feel like that means I felt God. And, um, and then on the other side, if I would come into like a time of worship and I was having a crappy day or something went wrong, uh, it was like I would just kind of just stand there and just not really engage because it was like determined based upon my feelings whether I was willing to engage um, with worshiping God. Yeah. So um, do those make sense, guys? Performance, feelings, kind of either of those guys? All right, cool. Start yelling at me if nothing makes, if uh, something doesn't make sense. Uh, so, yeah, this is great. Uh, so this was kind of like the culture that I was in. Um, and you guys have to understand, and I think, I, I think, try to make, make sense of this, like, those were the things that I valued. So at the time, I didn't know that that was, like, a really incomplete and very, like, astray version of what worship was. So in my head, it was like, yeah, this is right. So um, worship was so just kind of up and down. Um, but I knew, I remember looking back, that there was something that I longed for, like, for more. There was some level, even though I had no language for it, I didn't necessarily, like, um, I'm sure if I went back now, I could see, but like from my own eyes, I was blind to like seeing other people going after it. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and there was just like this discontentment with where I was at. And, uh, and over actually even like recent years, I've begun this process of starting to, um, to pray and to ask God to take me back to memories and show me things from when I was a kid, when I was in junior high, when I was in high school, where I like had no language for and didn't understand that he was moving. 
and like working on my behalf, but he actually was. And I just like a little side note, like encourage you, like do that, like sit in, sit in a room, sit by yourself and start to pray and ask him to take you back to memories where like he was moving and working, but you just didn't know it. It's been blowing my mind. Seriously, starts, he, some of the stories I'll share tonight, I didn't remember, I'd never thought about it. He just reminded me of them. Um, and uh, so, so like, like stories of, of encountering the Holy Spirit and seeing there was more, like for example, I was at a summer camp and uh, there's this kid who, I had never even heard of the term speaking in tongues. Like I literally hadn't ever, like ever even heard it, the term like uttered. And so people started like talking about this kid who speaks in tongues. And I was like, I think to somebody who doesn't know what that means, speaking in tongues, like is he talking with like a bunch of, like a bucket of tongues <laughs> around his face? Like, like no joke, he was like, uh, I had no idea. And I, and so <laughs> I sought this kid out, though, because everybody just kept talking about it, and I sat him down, and I was like, hey, speak in tongues for me. And, uh, okay, <laughs> whether theologically or not, the idea of sitting somebody down and, like, for my own wonder and amazement, having them speak in tongues <laughs> is right or wrong is beside the point. Uh, what happened was, is, he did, and, uh, <laughs> once again, whether it's right or wrong, who cares right now? Uh, the, uh, the beautiful thing was, is I felt something in my heart shift. I felt movement. I felt, I felt like where there was staleness and where there was like tied up, like, like something started to, to kind of shake and something started to move. And I felt this level of hunger and something that I knew that there was more that I wasn't accessing, stuff that I was unaware of, um, that I had never even known existed, that was out there. And honestly, a big part of that was breaking down this such prideful uh, concept and mindset that says like, oh, no, the way that I know God to be is the right way. The way that I know the church to be, I, the, way, the way I think uh, worship should happen is like it happens at River House. Like, there's so much pride filled in that. It's like uh, we ignore the beauty and the aspect of God working in unique, uh, unique, uh, just, just sides of his face in every other context. That one's free. And uh, so, so I felt this level of like, man, there's something more that I long for. And uh, so I started to do this thing where I started to like, uh, I started to like test the waters. I would like kind of like take the toe like. Uh, and, uh, and I would kind of start to test out, be like, okay, what would it look like if I tried to kind of like step beyond what I'm comfortable with, right? And part of what that looked like was I was, so I was on this worship team for a long time, big church, youth group itself was like 350 kids or something. Um, so we're leading there, leading in the main services. And I would, I would feel this desire though. I was playing guitar, um, but I would feel this desire. Like I want to roar. Like I want, I want to. I want to roar. <laughs> I want, they're like, there's something inside of me. And I didn't even know it was my voice, but I, it was like, 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 see, like, I really don't know how to describe it. Um, and so I would do this thing where I was like, but then I started to feel this desire, like uh, paired with that of like singing and literally using my voice to speak out into, into the atmosphere. And, uh, and I would start to do a thing where I would kind of like sing kind of behind the worship pastor, hoping he hears me, like sing a little bit louder on this side. Maybe these people hear me and say I'm good. Um, you know, just testing out the water. But what really happened was people started, uh, I love them to death. Um, but in a lot of ways, I started to get shut down. People started kind of like speaking like, like the cap on me. And they would be like, 
hey man, that's like really distracting when you do that. So if you could not do that, that'd be great. And no, I'm not joking. Like seriously, pretty intense, right? Uh, um, and then even beyond that, I had like, I had two, two people. It's funny how like even like two voices we can allow to like breathe into like this like lifetime working through of, of crap. Um, but those voices were like, hey, like you actually have a really bad voice. And so it's like, it's not really good when you sing during worship times. And uh, thank you for laughing so adamantly at that. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, Lord. And uh, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Come on, man. I, and I would start to kind of test it out, and I would kind of get shut down, right? And so what that actually happened is uh, I allowed that to speak into 12, 11, 13-year-old Jordan's heart and kind of shut me down and shut me up. And uh, I entered in the space where I knew I wanted something more, but I had, um, like, I was willing to be like, I'm serving in my capacity how I'm supposed to, or like, uh, this is where I'm comfortable, or this is where it's safe, so I'm just going to, like, only stay here and not be willing to step out. Um, and I shared this earlier, but I feel like God kind of gave me a, just kind of pause in here, just a word for whether it's somebody or some people in here tonight. Um, but kind of like with this story with me, um, I feel like there's an invitation to some of you who have taken a step into something. Um, and I don't know what this looks like. This is very ethereal in my head, but it's like, it's like you've taken a step into something that God has called you to. Um, and he honors you. I felt that very clearly. It's like he's, he's honoring your decision to step into it. Um, but there's this level of discomfort and level of like, but I know there's an, uh, there's like, there's more. There's something more to step into. There's something more to launch myself into. But voices have kept you silent. Voices have kept you down. And the dreams have kind of like been put off to the side. And I've settled with just staying here. And I just want to encourage you. I feel like the voice of God is saying tonight that you, uh, it's time to step up, time to start stepping out again, step out in a safe place and find like in, in this place this is a safe place to start to express yourself and find your voice and where he's calling you into more. It's time to step out of those boxes and break them out. So bless you with that, whoever that's for. Um, so yeah, I finished high school, still not singing, still not using my voice, except for just being an idiot and whatever a high schooler Jordan does. Um, and uh, right out of high school, I ended up going to YWAM, uh, Youth with a Mission. Uh, loved them to death. Changed my life. I uh, spent three months in a kind of like a discipleship school. Just think like day in, day out, day in, day out for three months of just classes of people preaching at you. And it was beautiful. And my heart and my mind got radically deconstructed with who I viewed myself to be. Excuse me. And who I viewed God to be. Um, beautiful time in my life. Um, but I'll kind of skip some, past some of that. So uh, the last three months we do an uh, outreach, and mine was in Thailand. And part of the, uh, what we were doing was just going around and ministering with music because it was like a music and worship discipleship training school. And uh, part of what we did was we went to Pattaya, Thailand, um, which a bunch of the locals kind of in churches there and stuff called it like it's like the sex slavery capital of the world. Um, specifically Patia, and uh, and there's, or sorry, specifically there was one street, um, and there's something called the Walking Street, and it's this mile-long road, it's a very, very long road, um, and lined up on the left and on the right, all the way down, is uh, just lined up with, they, they called them like sex bars, um, so it's bars, but there were literally like women lined up, 
um, in the front um, to be abused and to be taken advantage of. And uh, really, really horrible, horrible, dark place. It's the first place I ever went into where I felt like I had a hard time breathing just because of like the, the presence of just like evil there. Um, and I hate it. Uh, the evil there, not the place believing for, for miracles, mighty miracles to go there. Um, and, and part of how he's doing that, I think, is um, sending people to minister there like he did with us. And uh, we had a big group. We broke off into smaller groups, uh, me and two girls. And we went and just kind of like sat in between these two bars in a little, little alleyway, which is kind of like where we're still, like right there on the street. And uh, I pulled out my guitar and uh, and I just started playing, and we just started, or they started singing. Um, they started using their voice and worshiping. And I, uh, and I heard uh, the Lord speak to me about 15, 10, 15 minutes in. And, uh, and the, most, the most convicting, the most kind, the most loving, and the most forceful voice I've ever heard to my spirit came and I heard the voice of God and he said, am I not worthy for you to worship also? And, uh, and something inside of me just broke. And I knew that what, what, could, have, what could have been, it was, it was two people in a few situations that shut me up. It could have been a thousand people in a million situations coming in my way, but one voice from Jesus, one word spoken from him, and I knew everything would have just been cut straight through and fallen away. And I knew that something shifted inside of my heart right there, and I started to open up my voice, and I started to sing in, in the middle of these two sex bars in this horrible place where nobody's smiling. It's just thick and gross. And the craziest thing happened, the supernatural just started to break out all over the place. So over the next hour, a crowd of 200, 300 people gathered around. And like people who, this is from people from all over the world coming here to partake in evil. And, and what happened was they started, they saw light and they were drawn to the light. And they came in and they started like asking us, like, like what are you saying? What are you singing? And they's like, we had, I remember these two girls even came over and they started like, they came over to our music and were trying to read it with us and like sing alongside of us. And, and healing started happening and, and uh, crazy stuff, like crazy stuff, guys. Like stuff I still am like, did that really happen? That's crazy. Uh, uh, a bus full of tourists from, from China actually uh, got dropped off close to where we were at. And they were walking in front and they were just all drawn to us. And they came around and they started taking pictures. And guys... I don't care if you don't believe me or not. It's what happened. I saw it with my own eyes. They started showing us these pictures, and there were angels literally in the pictures that they were showing us, surrounding us, like surrounding that group of people. I don't pretend to understand that. I don't pretend to give, like, language to, like, here's how that works. Here's where it says in the middle. Uh, but all I know is that something happened when I opened up my voice. I opened up what had been shut away for a long time, and I started to step beyond what I was comfortable with into the risk. And I said, no, I'm longing for the more of God. And so I, I'm not willing to settle anymore. I'm stepping in again, and I'm stepping in again. And the, and the supernatural started to break out healings. And, and guys, I remember the first thing I would tell people for years after that happened was I saw people smile. Like, I, I, I didn't realize I hadn't even seen anybody smile the entire time I was there. And I think it was like something so simple and so small like that that stood out to me, that it was like the very core of like foundation of who we are. We were created to be joyful. Like, like just the little hint of that showed me just like the beautiful light breaking into this dark place. So, so I had this moment then, uh, and then I, uh, I came back 
um, to the States. And uh, yeah, it was really interesting, man. That, that whole transition time um, went straight into college, just kind of like my first semester was at, at BSU. Um, and I really didn't have much of a community or people to share this with. Imagine going from like those kind of encounters 24-7 into just like normal college party lifestyle um, that I didn't really engage with. But instead, almost worse, I just completely isolated and just completely sat there and like, uh, honestly, vulnerably, would just sit in my room and cry for like a semester. Um, who laughed at that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, though, like really, really tough times. And uh, uh, I ended up going over to NNU, Northwest Nazarene University in Nampa, uh, and I studied theology there for three and a half years, um, and I'll shorten it all up, but one day I was walking down the street, saw this dude walking the other way, and the Lord told me to go talk to him, and um, ended up being, that's how I met Jordan Werner, we became good friends, um, and... Uh, a year and a half after that, he told me about his dream for this church and this movement that he believed God was putting on his heart, invited me and then uh, my fiance at the time, Amy, now wife, um, to come out right after we got married and um, just kind of start it up and uh, um, see what that looked like. So I came on um, to this church and I was, um, I didn't start off with worship, it wasn't actually what I was here to do. Um, I'll skip it once again, just for the sake of time, but like the beautiful story of God kind of breathing that passion into me, and now it's something that uh, I love more than anything. And, uh, but uh, part, of, uh, part of that story then of, of this worship culture, right? So here's the thing though, guys, is I've had this years and years of, what was it, right? It was like performance and feelings. I had years and years of this being my value for worship, but then I had like this encounter with it and now it's like, okay, so, like, what do I do with these, like, very, like, opposing ideas? And this began this process that now I just want to, like, invite you guys into the story of what it looks like for building the culture of worship here at Riverhouse. And um, for me, the first year of being here um, was really tough. Uh, it was, like, amazing and so full of life. Like, this isn't like a, like a overall everything was bad, um, but specifically to worship because God was in the process of, of killing off performance and killing off uh, this, like, hyper focus on feelings being a, a source of value for worship. And, uh, and it began this journey of, like, very, very uncomfortable. Like, I would play songs, get done with worship sets and be like, what, what is this doing? Like, is this really accomplishing anything? Like, is God really being honored? Like, what does it mean actually for God to be honored in worship? And I couldn't really answer that question. I didn't really know. It was kind of like a, I enter in, and then if we're honest, I bet you a majority of us are still at this place where we come in. It's kind of like, okay, well, if, uh, if I'm raising my hands and I feel like something good and, or people are crying, it's like, yeah, that was a good worship set. And we have these kind of like markers that we define it by. And he was just like tearing those out of my heart. And just like, and I don't think he'll do this necessarily with everybody, but it's, it's part of the process he took me on, like this deep, deep, like discontentment, deep, like, I don't like this almost, like, like almost like a, what's the word? I don't know, whatever. It's almost like a, yeah, almost like a, I don't like this or want to do this. Um, and it was part of the process he, he was walking me through. And, I mean, you guys saw that process happening. Uh, if, were any of you guys there? There was two worship sets that we did um, 
specifically that I want to point to that uh, remind me of this. Does any of you guys remember there was a worship set where uh, we had no instruments and it was just vocals, just like that little acapella set. There was three of us. The Lord said, hey, the person, I want you and then two people that aren't very comfortable singing. I want them to be on your team for this week. Um, and I want you to just sing, no instruments. Um, and uh, yeah, awkward, right? Weird, right? Yeah, very much for me too. Um, and uh, that one, and then we did the same thing, just kind of opposite. Uh, we did another worship set where it was uh, no vocals. We were just playing instruments and just creating, and just making music. And uh, what that was, though, um, was part of this process of deconstructing what I thought like worship was supposed to look like, what I thought worship was supposed to feel like, what I thought it was supposed to sound like. And um, it, was, it was part of this uh, journey he was taking me on into like deconstructing those things, like allowing this start to mesh over with, with the performance and the feelings and overshadow and take down and, and kill off and then whatever gold was in them to find, to bring that into it. Um, and yeah, so that was... Uh, that, especially that first year of deconstructing. And guys, I would come into, I would come into Jordan's office probably um, once, twice, maybe even more times a month, um, just be crying. And I would just be like, like, why am I doing this? Like, this doesn't mean anything to me. Um, and I mean, that sounds very intense and very harsh, but I think that's what like was needed in my heart uh, to break down what he wanted to break down so that he could build up what needed to be built up. And so... So what I want to invite you guys now into, this is our conversation, is uh, now that this stuff, I feel like, to such a deep level, um, and, and this, is, this, is, uh, this is really cool. Part of what's been helping with this, um, the Lord spoke to me about a little over a year ago. Um, Chad, how long? The prayer in the back thing that we do? It's like a year or more? Yeah. Um, and the Lord spoke to me and just said he wanted to start like incorporating liturgy into our like worship team and how we, um, and just like beauty of that tradition in the church. And uh, what he had for us, though, was every week for the last um, year or more, um, we go back there after our worship sets and we say, um, we pray the same thing, the same prayer. Um, and it's the Lord, uh, my, my definition, my idea and value of success, and whether that was a good worship set or something messed up has nothing to do with how I felt about how I did, nothing to do with how I saw people reacting what I saw happening in the room, but it's all found in the affection and the eyes of the Father that say, like, well done, my good and faithful servant. And, uh, and what's been happening, guys, is as that, along with all this other, like, working through it and uh, dealing with this stuff, this, like, performance and these feelings, uh, less, less so of, like, lowered and more of, like, stomped into the ground and, like, eradicated. And I absolutely love that. Um, and... So yeah, so now, so now that those things are gone, it's kind of like, what do we replace it with? Like, like what's the, what's, what's, what is the culture of worship that he wants to create? Like, what is, and it was like this, like, world of, like, exciting opportunities. Like, like, where are we going? Like, who do you want? Like, in general, what is worship? How are you, like, helping us define this? And then, like, what's Riverhouse's voice? What is, like, our church voice that's different than another church? Once again, not better or worse, just different perspective um, of a side of God's face. And it's like, okay. Uh, what does this look like for us? And um, I just want to propose to you guys and invite you then into the conversation that it's like, this is the season. It has been for the last couple of years, and I think um, it always will be. But to a certain extent, like where we're at now, there's like a crucial time where God is like using us uh, to form and build the culture of worship that we're going to be. 
um, that we're willing to be, that we're willing to step out in. Um, and so we're really in this process right now all together. And um, so I just, I want to propose this, and this is what I felt so clearly. Um, even from the beginning, before I was working through this stuff, before I knew how to word it or give it, like, feet, um, I just knew that uh, our, our worship team, our worship culture, our, our entire congregation and our body, our our goal, our purpose, our primary thing that we do is simply to minister to the heart of God. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll launch into this and what this means, but um, just right off the bat, ministering to the heart of God looks so much less like uh, coming into a worship set saying, I want to encounter God's love. I want to encounter God's freedom or his peace or his joy, or I need this today, I need this today, I need this today. And that is fine to do. It is fine to recognize what like my heart needs today and what I'm longing for, all right? So that, has not, so that is not, I'm giving you permission to come into a time and say, like, here's what my needs are. But if I come and I allow myself to be directed and my worship to be influenced by uh, what my needs are or my feelings are or what my circumstances are, uh, it's missing out on maybe like the invitation into what God's doing in a room. And so what happens is when I, when I start to respond out of saying, you're worthy. You guys ever realize that we sing worthy of it all like 40 times a month? Uh, the reason for that is, is because that's a song that says, just takes us completely out of our own perspective, starts to shift our perspective towards his ideas, his thoughts. And it's actually the song written in Revelation 4. This is not playing. Let's go for it, though. Uh, in Revelation 4. Uh, whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to the one who is enthroned and who lives forever, 24 elders fell face down before the one seated on the throne, worship the one who lives forever and ever. And it says earlier they would cast their crowns down. Oh, right here it does. Just kidding. It says, and they surrendered their crowns before the throne, and they sang, you are worthy, Lord and God, worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. For by you, all things were created, and by your plan, they were created and they exist. And I just look at that, and I look at the songs that we sing, and I say, God, I would so much rather sing the songs and partner now with what I'm going to be singing for eternity, rather than uh, enter into a place and let it be determined by, like, how I'm feeling that day. And I think what happens is uh, when I come in and I start to sing the songs of ministering to his heart, telling him who he is, uh, high praise, high praise, high praise, just telling him he's good, is he starts, he comes, and he says, oh, like these are people that love me. I love them so much. I want to pour out my peace. I want to pour out my joy. I want to pour out everything that they need, everything that they want, and everything that they long for. So instead of being this thing where it's like, okay, I'm coming here to get what I deserve, it says, I'm coming here with eyes of adoration, eyes of affection, eyes of love that tell you who you are. And he's so good that never one time has he failed to come and give exactly what we needed in return. If you guys have Bibles, would you, uh, would you open them up to Luke? Uh, we're going to be in Luke 7 and in Luke 10. And I feel like these are, these are two stories that really, really beautifully um, God is using uh, to lead us into an understanding of, of our primary goal, to minister to the heart of God. And uh, Luke, let's go Luke 7, verse 36. Here's what it says. It says, in the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets, known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster. 
She filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader, and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and then drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. And then she opened up her flask and she anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an extravagant act of worship. All right, in Luke 10, verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38 says, As Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she left, uh, so she interrupted Jesus, and she said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. And the Lord answered, Martha, my beloved Martha. Can we just notice, like, the kindness and the love in the correction and the conviction that Jesus gives us? Man, Martha, my beloved Martha. Why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by all these distractions? Are they really that important? Because Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She's undistracted, and I won't take this privilege from her. I think there's such a, such a beautiful invitation in, in both of these stories um, to two sides. And there's, there's a million aspects of how we can engage with worship that ministers to the heart of God. But I feel like there's two that he's highlighting for us as a body tonight. You guys cool with that? Um, so the first one um, of Mary being in this house, Martha running around doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. And Mary has chosen just to sit at his feet. She just chose to sit at his feet and just be with him. There was no expectation. I like to think that there was, there was no need even uh, to fill the room with, with talking. For moments, they would just sit in silence and just be. And I just see and hear him speaking just how, like, like beautifully ministered to Jesus' heart that she was willing just to be. She didn't need to be somebody else. She didn't need to be doing anything. She just needed to be, be herself and just sit. And I think this is the invitation for us on this side. It says, we have permission as a church body when we come into worship and we enter into this place of, of, and this is across the board, guys, in your lives as worship being in everything we do. But I'm specifically for the sake of tonight talking as like in our times of corporate worship. When we enter into corporate worship, we have permission just to be. To not have to come into something and feel like this pressure and condemnation and shame to make sure like we get something done by the time it's over. There's no shame. There's no condemnation if I'm not uh, jumping up and down and screaming during a song. There's no shame if I'm sitting down, arms folded. Like, like there's, there's so much, so much freedom 
you guys feel it? It's just like, I can just be. It's like this weight, this load just lifts off. And so we have permission to be. And then on the other side, not, not, not like opposite, but just a, another face, is, is uh, when, when Mary comes in with an alabaster flask and she takes what is most valuable to her, the thing that is like most important to her, the most valuable thing that she had to offer, and she takes this extravagant act and she steps beyond what she's comfortable with what she knew, what would be easy. I bet it was so uncomfortable walking into that house. I bet you she wasn't even supposed to be there. I bet you she knew that the disciples, it says in every other, um, every other gospel, um, that it, it says like the disciples were indignant and they said like, why didn't you give this to the poor people and sell it um, or sell it and give the money to the poor people? And I bet you she knew that they would think that, that people would think it looked like such a waste. Um, but there was something so beautiful that happened when she, when she looked at all the factors, all the stuff that could happen, and she said, no, I want Jesus more than all this stuff trying to get in the way. I just long, and so I make this extravagant act, whatever it looks like. And so we have this permission, guys, in our culture of worship to just be, and we have this permission uh, to make extravagant acts. And so I just want to, like, encourage you and just say, you are free. You are free. Uh, if you have felt, um, for some of us, it, it just looks so different across the board. For some of us, uh, complete this crazy step into it. We'll be opening your voice for the first time and allowing, like, your voice and your heart to be expressed through words, whether that's talking or singing or whistling or humming or whatever it is. And, and so I just want to encourage you, like, take that step of extravagant devotion because such a safe place is being cultivated by just being. And so if you need that safety, start to just be. And once you've been being, it starts to give you this hunger for the more, hunger for the risk, hunger for stepping into, into what's, uh, what's available as the more of God. And for some of us, it's like, uh, it's, it's raising your hands for the first time. All this stuff can like feel silly to talk about, but how freeing is it just to like, you have permission. Like there's nothing like awkward or weird about these times. Well, I guess except for literally like everything about how we're just standing next to each other singing songs. Like, I'm uh, um, <laughs> just messing. Uh, but it's, uh, it's like you have permission to be weird. Yeah, from, in like, in, from your perspective, from what you think is weird. Because like for somebody being weird, like I said, is singing, where it's like, for me, weird is people like floating upside down and going to the ceiling, like during worship. Uh, so you guys have permission to float upside down towards the ceiling. Go for it. Begin. Um, so just know, guys, like uh, I would encourage you, in this safe place of being, let it, let it increase the hunger, increase the desire for what it would look like to risk, to say, I know, like I said when I was younger, I know there's more, and I'm not sure exactly what it looks like yet. And the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is what I see here in this church and I see in times of worship is like we have models next to us, like people like who actually are showing what it looks like to step out into more. And it doesn't always look exactly like somebody else. It doesn't have to. I'm not saying that. Uh, but there's people in here like going after the heart of God. And that's what like community's for is to say like, I'm encouraged and I'm built up I like to do this alongside these people with me. Uh, so you have family. We're in this together. Cool. So, so right, we've got, uh, we've got adoration. We've got just being. And we've got this, uh, this perspective of, okay, I'm going to step beyond what I'm comfortable with. Do you guys remember uh, like four weeks ago? 
I think it was, five weeks ago, I don't know what it was. Uh, we were singing that song, Surrounded, and then it was kind of like gotten like a four on the floor kind of feel at the end of it. It was like, oh, we're moving, yeah. And, uh, and we started kind of like getting a little dance party going on. Um, and I just remember, Susan, I'm glad you were filming just that part of me. Uh, I just see her with her phone like filming. Uh, hey, guys. Um, but I just remember there's something really beautiful in that, in that space where it wasn't like, hey, uh, you're only encountering God if you start to dance with us. But it was, I remember specifically the word of the Father it was like, there was like this kind invitation. It's like, hey, for people that that might be uncomfortable with, this is an opportunity. This is one of those moments for some people in this room to step out of that box and allow, like, it didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter that it was dancing. Like, I think oftentimes, though, he'll use the stuff that we'll, like, think of as foolish. Like, he uses the foolish to shame the wise. So it's like, it's like he offers us something that will, like, look weird. Like singing really loud might look weird, starting to scream or in an appropriate time might look weird. But like, um, but that's oftentimes like pay attention to the signs. Like, is this, is this an opportunity to step out? Is this an opportunity to step out into the more that's being offered for me to step into? So bless you with that. Uh, so the uh, things I want to talk about is, uh, right, we had that one side of ministering to the heart of God. And I feel like, so, like, that's our primary activity. And the other thing that I wanted, I feel like you wanted to talk about tonight um, was what it looks like to find my voice. What does it look like to find your voice? Um, what does it look like not just to um, let Amy and Blake and Noah and Chad and Helen and Aaron and Matt be, the, like, the powerful people who are, like, my voice? They're the worship leaders, so it's like they're, I'm just kind of, like, rolling with what's happening. But what does it look like, really, to find, like, what is my voice look like? What can I contribute? Not just what can I contribute, not just what can I do, but what can I like bring to just like of myself, just who I am, just be. So um, I was thinking, AJ and I were talking about um, what it looks like, like where do people even find their voice? And I think it's in two places. Um, it's, in, it's in the secret place and it's in the quiet place. And then it's in, it's in, the, uh, it's in the expression of a community. Uh, so I think what happens is the foundation for what my voice sounds like, what I was created for, what I carry, what I'm anointed to bring into an atmosphere and change, excuse me, uh, would, uh, it, it's found in that place. That foundation is created in the secret place, but it's not, it's not expressed. It's not full. It's not even like given for the sake of what it was made to be until it's expressed in a corporate setting with people. Right, because the the like like think think of of God like God's essential nature and who He is is community, right? It's the Father and it's the Son and the Holy Spirit. We don't understand how it works, but there's this beauty of community being at the very core essential nature of who God is. And since we are created in His image, everything that we do has some level of like what is, what is this engagement for the sake of like family, for the sake of um, the good of others, and I think in in worship is uh, it, with finding our voice. We find our foundation and our kind of ebbs and flow and kind of how we roll. And then we bring it into this space and we honestly like test it out. And, uh, and we like give it a go and, uh, and, and to kind of see what happens. Um, and then what we have the joy then as a family to do is to see people stepping out, see people like using their voice, whether it's through, uh, and this is so far beyond, well, it's not beyond worship because it is worship, like, like in breaking into every aspect of life. It's in, it's in the music on Sundays. It's in, it's in the arts. It's in the, it's in the accounting. It's in the, 
community building. It's in the friendships. It's in the, it's in the whatever it ever is. And when we start to see people uh, living out of like their voice of what that person, you guys know what I mean? Like what they, what they sound like, not like their voice, but like what their like person sounds like getting a little mystical on you, but, uh, but you guys get it. And, uh, and when we see people stepping out and doing that, we have the, the joy and the opportunity to affirm people and say, not, hey, Jordan, you sound bad. Be like, that sound was beautiful. I want to know that. Show me more. And so it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's like this culture of honor where it's like in worship, the people at the front that are pounding the stage and screaming out in worship, let's honor them and honor them and thank for what they bring to it. And the people in the back that are just sitting and contemplating, let's honor them for what they bring. And it's all part of this expression of worship that looks like that doesn't need to be just one person or just one uh, way it looks. So you guys have permission to find your voice. Go to the secret place. Start to ask God, like, what are the things that make me passionate? What are the things that I really love? And how can I start to engage with this on a communal level and start to take this into the open arena? Um, oh, yeah. I forgot about this. I didn't say this to the other two. This is good. Um, yeah, in the secret place, just learning how to express your heart with how it connects to God. Um, super vulnerably, there's been... Um, in such a beautiful way, and I welcome them and still do to this day very much. Um, just words spoken over me about like songwriting and like you're gonna write songs that are gonna influence generations and, um, and you're gonna write songs that churches are gonna sing and, and, and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, like, like awesome, yes. Uh, but to be super honest with you guys, some of what that's led into is starting some kind of feelings of like pressure, like, oh, like, I'm supposed to be writing right now, and I feel like nothing's coming out. Like, what? Like, I'm doing something wrong. Um, or uh, I'll write songs. I've written a lot of songs uh, and thrown away a lot of songs out of feeling like they're not good enough. Um, or being like, yeah, this, this actually doesn't, like, meet the standard that everybody has for me. And it's less of, like, trying to meet their standard, but it's, like, this just the pressures and the wanting to like succeed and not fail other people, like all this stuff that's part of my own just like journey of dealing with um, and allowing more light to be shed and more purity to, to flood my heart in that area. Um, and so, so how I've been kind of like dealing with this, um, even in the last like few months, um, is even in times of worship, corporate worship, when we're here on Sundays, uh, we'll leave space at the end of songs. I mean, we've been doing that, I think, basically our, our whole time. Uh, but you'll hear me uh, start to invite, like, hey, start to sing, like, a song. Like, you don't even need to use words. Just start to sing melodies. Just fill the air with creation. Just fill the air with engaging with his heart of creativity and sound and just, like, start activating. And what that is is that's part of my own process that has been, like, hey, like, I don't feel like I have the capacity right now to be, like, writing a bunch of lyrics and, like, number one chart songs, but I can give him in my expression of creativity, which is, like, creating music and just allowing that to flood out. And so just like, that's what's happening. So next time it happens, you better start singing melodies or I'll get real mad. Um, but uh, yeah, just inviting you guys into that place. Start to find your voice. Start to ask him to help you find your voice. Like he's good, he'll help you do it and start to step out. Shoot, man, it's already nine. Uh, yeah, I'll just finish there. Uh, <laughs> it's not night in San Francisco. We got another hour, people. Let's do it. 
I like you. Uh, so yeah, guys, I just want us to all, uh, we are invited into the, like, we're doing this thing together. I'm still figuring out, like, what this looks like, how to do it. Um, our team is still figuring out what this looks like, how to do it. Um, really quick tangent. They are so amazing, by the way, guys. Our worship team that we have that serve, like, they are blow my mind. And that's, like, so far beyond just uh, just a people who, who, like, sound good and, like, play their instruments well. But I've never been a part of a worship culture that really values and enters into honor and into a culture of prayer and, and uh a, a team who comes to me and says, hey, like, we want to get better at our craft and what we're doing, so can we start doing midweek rehearsals? Like, I, that's unheard of to me, and I've been a part of so many teams. Um, so these guys that lead you are so far than just, like, beyond just, like, playing music, but they have such, like, pure, beautiful, humble hearts. So love you guys. Um, so, yeah, I just want to, our culture of worship, guys, our culture of worship as a congregation, as a worship team, as staff, as all these levels, it's all integrating and we're all getting to write the story together. Um, and so I just feel like God wants to give us an impartation of, of leading us into uh, ministering and starting to know what it looks like to minister to the heart of God and then also what it looks like to find our voice. Um, so would you guys stand and I just want to pray that over us and, and bless us. Yeah, thank you, God. So we just tell you once again, Lord, we, we refuse to settle for anything less than the fullness of you've, you created us to be, God. We refuse to let this culture of worship and what it looks like in this space to be anything less than you want it to be. And so we just invite you right now to come. And I just ask for all my friends in this room, you would, you would start to speak to their hearts such loving uh, encouragement and conviction and, and whatever it is. And you would lead us into a place where we start to see how we can minister to your heart in a more effective way from a place that comes from love and passion. It doesn't come out of like forced making it happen. God, I ask that you would help us find our voice. I declare blessing over all the, all the times in the secret place all the times in the prayer closet and spending time in his presence, that you would start to speak so clearly um, what the passions and what the anointings that you've placed on these people's lives is. So God, make us a people of such love and such adoration to you that we can barely even sing, Jesus, we love you. Because there's so much adoration that just has to come out. So we love you and we thank you that this isn't the end. This is the beginning of a process that you're taking us in. And so we just willingly and joyfully say, take us on it. This is your house. This is your body. It always was for you and always will be for you. So take us wherever you want to go. We adore you and we love you so much, King Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.